0: Tonight's shir is one of my favorite topics Um, and so misunderstood, so I'm so, so excited to deliver it. All right, so tonight's shir is titled, um, The Ego is a Source of All Suffering. Now, it's very relevant because of Tisha B'Av, right? What's Tisha B'Av all about? Sinat Chinam, basis hatred. Where does hatred come from? Being self-centered, being egoistic, being arrogant. Not creating space for others, which is known in Kabbalah as Simtsum, withdrawing yourself, withdrawing your light, and creating space for others and that 's where why we are in two thousand and twenty two almost two thousand years after um, the second temple was destroyed, and we haven 't yet to rectify the sin that, we, that that we were guilty of, which was not getting along with one another, not, not having the unity and the akhdut that we need <clears throat> now the thing is what I want to focus on tonight is. I would say maybe um, the secret uh, of emunah and of Shuvah and 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 the and the art, the art to happiness, is letting go, letting go and letting God. So we find consistently throughout the Jewish literature that this is the one thing that everybody, from the top down, that did big sins or big people that did small sins. Um, they struggle with. So we start from Adam in the Garden of Eden. So what happens? Hashem tells him, all you have to do is don't eat from this one tree, the eight Hadas, right? The tree of knowledge. And it seems like a fairly simple task. And Adam was a very smart man, the first man, the greatest man, Garden of Eden. He had all the capabilities. <clears throat> he was living spiritually all day with God um, and really devoid of, physical materialistic, there was no like, uh, there was no issues with other people and wars and all this sort of stuff. So really, it seems quite incredible that Adam would fall so low. So what I heard explained once from, um, right, Horace Miller Gates said, he said the following, that Adam was very smart, right? But what he did was he made a calculation, a cheshbon, he said the following, why should I sit here in the garden of Eden and what we call shef altaseh, just doing nothing, just chilling, Right. It makes more sense for me to eat from the tree of knowledge, understand good versus evil, and then choose good and earn my reward, right? So on the face value, it's a flawless, seemingly a flawless calculation. It's, it's, what's wrong with that? He wants to earn his reward. So the problem is, what's the problem with that? Is that, is that what Hashem told him to do? No. Hashem told him not to eat, So it's all very nice to make his own calculations. But what he did was he took control of the situation, right? Instead of letting go and just allowing what God wanted to happen. And this is a common theme we're going to find all the way through. So we find that again by um, Moshe Rabbeinu. Hashem said just recently, we read a few weeks ago, speak to the rock, right? Speak to the rock. One of the commentaries explain is that a tzaddik, we know, can perform miracles. It's really not a big deal for a tzaddik to perform miracles. Um, but if you allow for Moshe to do a physical action and hit the rock, everyone knows that Sadiq performed a miracle, that's everyday life but to not hit the rock and let Hashem just talk to the rock and let Hashem perform an open supernatural miracle, that's what Hashem wanted and Moshe hit the rock, why? because the people were talking and getting upset and everyone was getting all all, all, um, the, 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 the Jewish people were getting restless and getting all aggravated so he went and but you have to let go and let go and not try to force the issue, forcing the issue. Abraham Avino, we find Hashem says, Your grand, your kids, and they're going to be my nation and your descendants. And what does Abraham say? Bamme Eida, right? That was, that was why we got 410 years in, in exile because Abraham said, How will I know? What's the proof, right? What's the proof? You know, Joseph in the jail, he asks, he asks for. Um, the, the uh, minister who goes back into pare to, to remember Yosef. He got another, I think it was two years for that, right? So, for every word, a year. So you see, they're not letting go, they're letting God, right? The same thing you find by David HaMelech. David HaMelech is a very misunderstood parasha. People think, the Gemara says, whoever thinks David HaMelech with sinned with Bathsheba is completely mistaken. He didn't do anything wrong the way we perceive uh, human uh, um, action. What happened was, is that David HaMelech, at the end of the day, right, Shlomo HaMelech, which is the, the, the Messianic dynasty from the from Davidic dynasty, and who built a temple, came from David and Basheva. So clearly, the way we people in the street like to relate to the story is way off. So what the Gemara explains is, is that the following, David was always going to be with Basheva. The problem was one of timing, meaning, meaning Hashem was going to arrange, like we find by, by Yosef, as well with the Ra'eth of Petittha. The wife of Pesifa was trying to seduce Joseph every day. That's why it's, called, it's called Yosef HaTzadik. The prototype of Tzadik is someone who has self-control and discipline in the area of morality, right? The area of morality, because morality is all about your expression, your, 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 the, the, number one, the number one way which you can emulate God is to reproduce. God's a creator, emulate God. Walk like me, act like me. And the et chodor, etc. So, how can we most emulate God? Procreation, recreation by recreators. Finding expression and creation is the one number one way. So, morality and discipline in that area is what is defined as a tzaddik in Jewish terms. You want a tzaddik? That's someone who is careful with the area of morality. And Joseph, the whole time, what happens to Yosef, the wife of Yosef, was trying to seduce him, seduce him. And she says, it says in the stars, it's, they could see in the stars that we're going to have kids together. Now, um, what happened was is that it's true. Osnas was her daughter, and the Roshim differ as exactly what, what who Osnas was. Some say she was the daughter of Dina. When Shechem violated Dina, they sent, uh, um, they sent the daughter, Osnas, away. They sent her away into Egypt, and because the Medrash says, Joseph was so careful because being disciplined in, 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 in your morality doesn't start by just uh, you know, walking out of the room at 12 a.m. With, with another woman. It starts with where you look, where you think, what you see, what you do, what you watch, what you say. So Joseph used to walk with his eyes down, and he was very, very handsome. You know, the Torah says at 17, he was so handsome. He played with his hair, combed his hair. And all the different girls loved him, and they used to stand up on top of the walkways, and they used to throw down jewelry at him, and he used to walk with his eyes down. And one day, he's walking, and he sees a little amul- amulet, and it's got Hebrew writing. So he looks up, and he sees Osnas, so he then ends up marrying her and he has two kids, Ephraim and Asha. So in the stars, it said that Asha's um, Poit- Potiphar Poit- was going to have children, descendants through, through Yosef, right? And she wanted to force the issue, but he said no, right? And he's, 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 the, he's the tzaddik we see against all the other characters. The tzaddik says, no, I'm going to let go and let God. I'm not going to force the issue. Even if the star stays true in infinite, I'm not going to force the issue. But David HaMelech sends Uriah out to war Puts him on the front line. He's not coming back. And, and the Gemara explains like this: that in those days, when they were, the Jewish army went to war, the a religious army, of course, under King David. So what they would do is, we have a big problem of aguna. Big problem of aguna, right? And aguna is when a wife is tied to a husband, and a wife can't get out without a divorce. So what happens is, is God forbid, people go out to war. They don't always come back, right? And if you can't identify, they didn't have DNA back then. So if you can't identify the husband that is being killed, definitively the wife can't get remarried because if the wife gets remarried and in 10 years from now, the husband was captured by the plishtim or captured by Moab, right? And he rocks up and the woman got remarried, all the kids are moms So it's a very strict issue. So therefore, which is why you always have to make sure we get an orthodox divorce. Doesn't matter how you get married. I mean, it matters. You have to get an orthodox. But if someone didn't get married orthodox, it's absolutely vital they get divorced Orthodox, again, from the bed then. If they don't, they're ruining all the future generations. And there's nothing that we can do. It's like, God forbid, you have a medical reality. God forbid, it shouldn't happen. Someone has got a terminal illness, it shouldn't happen. There's a spiritual reality, cannot be undone. If someone has mamzerium, it cannot be undone. Which is why we have to be very careful, always to get an Orthodox, divorce. So what they did was, Davide instituted that all the soldiers will give their wives before they go to war, a bill of divorce, I'll deny, on condition. If I come back, there's no divorce. If I don't come back, the divorce was held, the divorce was um, took, takes place from now, from this moment. So the second I leave the house, you are a free woman. You don't have to wait for me. So there's no attachment. That way, the women are free. The daughter Melech, what he did, he took Basheva, right? But she was divorced, right? That's what they don't read when they read it in the... In the, in the in the Bible school and in the, in, the, in the halls of the uh, of the um, philosophy faculties and universities, and they're trying to understand King David and all this stuff and, and and reduce him to a 2022 very very a decadent, low materialistic level, like the way we think it's not the way. they were he was a prophet. His whole life was about fearing God. Every word of him is about keeping the mitzvot, trust, being fearing Hashem. Every single word it says is fearing Hashem. It's not possible that he would have done an Aishasish, and if he did. How could Shlomo Melech have been Shlomo Melech out of that union? How is it possible? So they say what he did wrong was he took destiny into his own hands. Meaning instead of sending Uriah away with a get, let God take care of it for you at the right time. Why do you have to send the poor guy out to get killed? Let, let God take care of it. Right? Let God take care of it. That's what he did wrong. He took destiny in his own hands. That's the really. So, yes, he did something wrong on his level, but God forbid to think he did something wrong the way we would think he did something wrong. Right, that's Tabernacle. We move on through history. What do we find as well? Um, by the Eagle. What am by the Eagle? By the Eagle I have, they had the golden calf. The famous Briskarov talks about this. That what they did was they weren't trying to divide the zara. They were trying to, they had Moshe. Moshe was gone 40 days, so they didn't come back. They wanted an uh, um, intermediary to serve Hashem. So they decided they need something. So they, they just ended up coming out of the fire and enable some sort of intermediary. But as they say, the, the, road to, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. God did not ask them to try and find intermediary, right? So it may have been pure intentions. They want to connect to God. And then Moses and then and they, and they Moshe and it was too hard. God was like, it, it, they needed someone to connect, like a rebbe. But you can't take this thing into your own hands. That's unacceptable. And there was a massive plague after that, right? Um, we find the same thing with Ruvain. He took his mother's bed, right? And he switched, he switched and bed and he got in trouble for that. We find the same thing with Shimon and Levi. They wiped out the whole Shechem after, after, after they violated Dina. Shimon and Levi went and they wiped out, they said, if you want to be part of us, you can convert. You have to all have Brit, Mila. So on the third day after Brit Milah, they were all weak and sore and tired. She and wiped them out. Don't touch Jewish girls. The daughter of Yaakov is untouchable. Everyone should know that. And Yaakov got very upset with them. You're going to try to, we're a minority. We're living in a non-Jewish world. and You're putting us up for attack, right? You're putting a tiger on our back. So you see, letting go, letting go, letting go. So now we also find, excuse me, <clears throat> This is what all the chagim deal with. Pesach, right? Rabbi um, Kluger says, from Israel, there's a braslamashi in Israel, and he explains that Pesach, this is what we have hidden—the message hidden in the matzah and the chametz. Why is you find chametz is so severe? Kosher is we can nullify one in sixty. Chametz, even a mashu, even a drop, is already a big problem, and it's 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 a very stringent. We clap our houses, we go crazy, everything. It's a very stringent, the chametz. Because chametz represents the yetzer hara, the evil inclination. And matzah represents yetzer And he explains how so. So he explains the following. That when you take chametz, right, you have a bakery. So you have all the dough. Say you get an order, you have a bakery. You need, they need 200 pitot by 6 a.m. for a brit milah. Right? It's now nine, eight, at thirty. 6 a.m. there's a brit milah. The rabbi just said the is not, not uh, jaundice anymore. It's going ahead. Now I need 200 pitots. Bam. What do you do? You've got to take all the dough, wrap it up, put it into the oven, try to manipulate and and fashion and condition and control the outcome. If these pitots going through the whole process, the baking process, come out floppy and and upside down and no one's buying them of you. So you have to control the outcome, right? But matzah, what's matzah? You make it very, very thin and very, very round like that. And you put it in. And the same way that you put it in, you take it out. You just put it in, let go, let <laughs> Hashem. So the Matzah is representing the idea of letting go and having emunah and Pitachon and trust in Hashem. And the Chametz is representing the idea, I will do everything. My, everything runs from my ego, right? I will control everything. And, and the Eish Koydesh, he says that the ego controls the mind. This is a very, very important psychological point. The ego controls the mind. And sometimes, which is why we have exploited this and, 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 and exploited this and other ideas. We have to silence the mind to hear the soul talk, to let the soul find expression. If we always go with our mind, right? And he explains that, for example, you find this, that let's say um, you want to do something. I want to give charity. Boom, ego comes in. The mind controls. No, don't give him 100, give him 10, give him 5, give him 10. he's probably anyway a fake, right? But what happens, on the other hand, if you walk into the streets, you walk outside calls and you see a homeless person straight away. You're overcome by uh, a, a a overpowering emotion of care and love and, and nurture to help the charity charity. So the mind stops can stop the Neshama. The The mind is a false sense of ourselves. So the same thing we find on um, Shavuot. What happened on Shavuot? On Shavuot, (laughs) We it says we reach levels of angels. What do we say? So the Nasi Shalom explains why does well. it mean we reach levels of angels? Because we said Naseh and What's Naseh and Nishma? Naseh Nishma means that we will do, and then we will listen. Now, put ten Jews in a room and ask them to do something, right? Without telling them why, it ain't going to happen, right? Explain to me from Aleph to Toph, A to Z, why I'm doing this, and then I'll consider if you gave me five hundred dollars an hour, maybe I'll do it, right? So the idea of Nase, I'll do it, and then I'll listen to what That's what angels do. Angels just carry it out, and they don't ask any questions. There's no ego. There's no Netia, no Giyas. There's no self uh, interest. And therefore, the Bnei Yisrael, the Jewish people, reach the level of angels on Shavuot because we just let go and let God, which is really <clears throat> the art to having an amazing relationship of Emunah, and, 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 and as well as Shumas. We'll see in a second. Now, Purim, the same thing happens on Purim. The Mitzvah on Purim is, it's a fantastic Mitzvah, the other religions are very jealous of Purim. Add the law yada, You have to drink until you are so drunk, you don't know the difference between Mm -hmm. Muhammad being the bad guy and and, and cursed and and Mordechai being the good guy and blessed. That's how drunk you have to be. What's going on here? So the answer is that, what happened on Purim? Mordechai said, don't go and try to socialize and 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 and, and, and hang out at Chafersha's party, even though it's all kosher and it's all Mahadrin, the best heksha, it's, it's it's everything is the best, right? But don't go. That's what the the, the um, um, Mordechai, who was the chief rabbi of the time, the head of the of the of the best thing, said. No one's allowed to go. And they ignored him. And what happened? Of course, they're at the party, they get kosher food. But what about all the immorality, all the non naked women, Vashti coming out naked, but all that stuff, it's a non-kosher party, right? It's a non-kosher party. And the Jewish people don't want to live the life that we saw a few weeks ago from the Benois Canaan or the Benois Midyon. That is not the way we are meant to be a, 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 a nation of priests and a holy nation and a shining example allowed unto the nations. That is our role. And therefore, they ignored that. So the, 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 the antidote to that, the tshuva to that, the true repentance to that was, now let go and trust, right? You try to go with your own mind and, and justify and rationalize. Oh, it's okay. We have to be close to the king, Jewish relations, uh, you know, uh, social, you know, we have to get involved in, in what's going on around us and make, make sure we are friendly with everyone, build rapport with communities. No. Put is about getting drunk and letting go and letting God and trusting. If, if Hashem says, and Monacheya Sadiq says, not to go, you don't go. You don't, no, doesn't matter what you think. It's not about you and your ego and your self-interest and your desires to hang out at all the non-Jewish parties and get drunk and see all the morality. It's about letting, just taking out your own, taking out your own uh, da'as, your own sayful, your own intellect. So we get drunk to say we are no longer um, prisoner or captive to our intellect. We are free from our intellect. Right, we're going to do what's right, not what we want to do and we think we want to do and all that, which is in the ego controlling us. I'm going to tell you something now; it's going to blow your mind. The Tanya writes: it is forbidden to dwell on something that you did wrong and to have negative feelings about it. You ever heard this before? It's forbidden, avera, to have negative feelings about you did something wrong. Why? Why? Why is it forbidden? So what happened? Right, right. My friend wasn't looking, so I stole his, I stole his uh, Danish, or I did something much worse, got a bit right. I stole money from his account. I felt terrible. Right? Says Satanya, yes, you feel terrible. Your ego feels terrible. Your ego feels terrible. That's the Ezara. That's not Hashem. The only way to really, really return to Hashem is if you do a half an hour of meditation and realize how great Hashem is and how much you love him and you're grateful to him and appreciate him and want to be close to him. And therefore, how can you do this in a completely, you know, state of, of, of controlled state, mind of a matter? Coherent, not being swept in, swept out through your emotions. Emotions just make you want to fill the void. So today you feel guilty, and tomorrow because you feel guilty, you do something worse to fill the vacuum. Says the Tanya: the only time you're allowed to feel bad is at a set time when you go to bed. You can then think about what you did and have a little bit of a regret or feeling. But if you now at, at 11 a.m. do something wrong and start to feel guilty, yetsara, sahara, What's the solution? Let go and let God. Let go and let God. So. Rabbi says this. It's brilliant what he says. We say this every day, many, many times. In Shema, the first paragraph, and the second one, everything is Hayoyim, now, today. Hayoyim, now, this second. Every time, every second is a new now, says Rabbi Nachman. Every second. You say Shema at least three times a day. You say it in the morning, say it in Arvit, when you go to bed. At least three times a day, at least six times we say it twice in Shema, six times a day. Knock it into your head. Let go, let God. Did something wrong? That's okay. Let go, let God. Moving on. Says the Tanya. We say in Shema Esrei three times a day. lana right? How do we finish the blessing? Baruch ata Hashem, Chanun God who loves forgiving us. Right? He loves forgiving us. He, he, he increases His forgiveness. It says Tanya, if you don't believe that when you let go and let Hashem, and, and just, I, I'm sorry, Hashem he, he has infinite mercy and kindness, and He's willing to forgive you, you're making a bracha lebatala, you're not allowed to say the blessing, you don't, you, don't, you don't believe what you're saying. You're not allowed to say Hashem's name in vain. Hashem is desperate to forgive you. He loves you, He wants you, and He needs you. He wants you to be his partner. That's why every cra- Jew every Jewish here yeah, and every human for a purpose. Hashem needs them, he wants them. He gave them an opportunity to be his partner. If they want a bl- blooded opportunity, wow, what a crazy once in a lifetime, once in eternity. Once you have one chance in eternity to, to make that opportunity work. Whatever you say you can do, grab Shabbat candles, staka, grab, feeling, grab it. So this idea that we're pre-programmed with project on us by society it could be by the christian world it could be by god forbid our parents it could be from, from traumatic holocaust survivors whatever it is or, or other issues that people have trauma god forbid no one's judging but the idea that we are guilty and that we are wrong and that we are bad and that god's not going to forgive us god is infinite mercy infinite kindness well, the whole idea is to forgive us and so the point is that god really wants to forgive us and bring us close to him every second every day and every time we say shema and every time we daven. Um, today, 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 today. Everything is today. Everything is now. So therefore, we finish off by saying, the art and the secret to relationship with Hashem, and pitacon, and Shuva, and mental health, psychological health, physical health, law of attraction, gaining anything that you want in your life is letting go and letting go.